0: Hi, I'm N.C. Jussie. 大家好讀你听 Miguel de Cervantes Don Quixote 这个节目叫做, Of the unexampled and the unheard of adventure which was achieved by the valiant Don Quixote of a mantra with less peril than any ever achieved by any famous knight in the world. 又是一個很長的題目 當然啦,對她的誇張 Song say
1: It cannot be, Senor but that this grass is a proof that there must be hard by some spring or brook to give it moisture. So it would be well to move a little farther on, that we may find some place where we may quench this terrible thirst that plagues us, which, beyond a doubt, is more distressing than hunger. The advice seemed good to Don Quixote, and, he leading Rastinante by the bridle and Sancho the ass by the halter, after he had packed away upon him the remains of the supper, they advanced the medal feeling their way, for the darkness of the night made it impossible to see anything." But they had not gone two hundred paces when a loud noise of water, as if falling from great rocks, struck their ears. The sound cheered them greatly. But halting to make out by listening from what quarter it came, they heard unseasonably another noise, which spoiled the satisfaction the sound of water gave them, especially for Sancho, who was by nature timid and faint-hearted. They heard, I say, strokes falling with measured beat and a certain rattling of iron and chains that, together with the furious din of the water, would have struck error into any heart but Don Quixote's. The night was, as has been said, dark, and they had been to reach a spot in among some tall trees, whose leaves stirred by a gentle breeze made a low ominous sound, so that, what with the solitude, the place, the darkness, the noise of the water, and the rustling of the leaves, everything inspired awe and dread more especially as they perceived that the strokes did not cease, nor the wind lull, nor morning approach, to all which might be added their ignorance as to where they were. But Don Quixote, supported by his intrepid heart, leaped on Rostinante, and bracing his buckler on his arm, brought his pike to the slope, and said, Friend Sancho, know that I, by heavens, will have been born in this iron age to survive in it the age of gold, nor the golden as it is called. I am he for whom perils, mighty achievements, and valiant deeds are reserved. I am, I say again, he who is to revive the knights of the round table, the twelve of friends, and the nine worthies, and he who is to consign to oblivion the platies, the Taplantes, the olivantes, and Tirantes, the Phoebuses, and Belianesis, with the whole herd of famous knights' errants of days gone by, Performing in these in which I live such exploits, marvels, and feats of arms, as shall obscure their brightest deeds, thou dost mark well, faithful and trusty squire, the gloom of this night, its strange silence, the dull, confused murmur of those trees, the awful sound of that water in quest of which we came, that seems as though it were precipitating and dashing itself down from the lofty mountains of the moon, and that incessant hammering that wounds and pains our ears, which things altogether in each of itself are enough to instill fear, dread, and dismay into the breast of Mars himself, much more into one not used to hazards and adventures of the kind. Well then, all this that I put before thee is but an incentive and stimulant to my spirit, making my heart burst in my bosom through eagerness to engage in this adventure, arduous as it promises to be. Therefore tighten Rostinante's girth a little, and God be with thee. Wait for me here three days and no more, and if in that time I come not back, thou canst return to our village, and thence, to do me a favour and a service, thou wilt go to El Toboso, where thou shalt say to my incomparable lady Dolthenia that her captive knight hath died in attempting things that might make him worthy of being called hers. When Sancho heard his master's words, began to weep in the most pathetic way, saying, Signor, I know not why your worship wants to attempt this so dreadful adventure. It is night now. No one sees us here. We can easily turn about and take ourselves out of danger, even if we don't drink for three days to come. And as there is no one to see us, all the less will there be anyone to set us down as cowards. Besides, I have many a time heard the curate of our village, whom your worship knows well, preach that he who seeks danger perishes in it. So it is not right to tempt God by trying so tremendous a feat from which there can be no escape save by a miracle. And heaven has performed enough of them for all your worship in delivering you from being blanketed as I was and bringing you out victorious and safe and sound from among all those enemies that were with the dead men. And if all this does not move or soften that hard heart, let this thought and reflection move it, that you will have hardly quitted his spot, when from pure fear I shall yield my soul up to any one that will take it. I left home and wife and children to come and serve your worship, trusting to do better and not worse. But as covetousness burst the bag, it has rent my hopes asunder. For just as I had them highest about getting that wretched unlucky island your worship has so often promised me, I see that instead, in lieu of it, you mean to desert me now in a place so far from human reach. For God's sake, Master Mine, deal not so unjustly by me, and if your worship will not entirely give up attempting this feat, at least put it off till morning. For by what the law I learned when I was a shepherd tells me, it cannot want three hours of dawn now, because the mouth of the horn is overhead and makes midnight in the line of the left arm. How canst thou see, Sancho? Said, said Don Quixote where it makes that line, or where this mouth or this occiput is that thou talkest of, when the night is so dark that there is not a star to be seen in the whole heaven. That's true, said Sancho, but fear has sharp eyes, and sees things underground, much more above in heavens. Besides, there is good reason to show that it now wants but little of day. Let it want what it may, replied Don Quixote. It shall not be said of me now or at any time that tears or entreaties turn me aside from doing what was in accordance with nightly usage. And so I beg of thee, Sancho, to hold thy peace, for God, who has put it into my heart to undertake now this so unexampled and terrible adventure, will take care to watch over my safety and console thy sorrow. What thou hast to do is to tighten Mosinante's girth well and wait here, for I shall come back shortly alive or dead, Sancho perceiving it his master's final resolve, and how little his tears, consoles, and entreaties prevailed with him, determined to have recourse to his own ingenuity and compel him, if he could, to wait till daylight. And so, while tightening the girths of the horse, he quietly and without being felt, with his ass to tied both Rocinante's legs, so that when Don Quixote strove to go, he was unable as the horse could only move by jumps. Seeing the success of his trick, Sancho panza said see there senor heaven moved by my tears and prayers has so ordered it that fortinante cannot stir and if you will be obstinate and spur and strike him you will only provoke fortune and kick as they say against the pricks don quixote at this grew desperate but the more he drove his heels into the horse the less he stirred him and not having any suspicion of the tying he was fain to resign himself and wait till daybreak or until Rotinante could move, firmly persuaded that all this came of something other than Sancho's ingenuity. So he said to him, As it is so, Sancho, and as Rotinante cannot move, I am content to wait till dawn smiles upon us, even though I weep while it delays its coming. There is no need to weep, answered Sancho, for I will amuse your worship by telling stories from this till daylight unless indeed you like to dismount and lie down to sleep a little on the green grass after the fashion of knight's errant, so as to be fresher when day comes and the moment arrives for attempting this extraordinary adventure you are looking forward to. What art thou talking about dismounting or sleeping for? said Don Quixote. Am I, thinkest thou, one of those knights that take their rest in the presence of danger? Sleep thou who art born to sleep, or do as thou wilt. "'for I will act as I think most consistent with my character.' "'Be not angry, mastermind,' replied Sancho. "'I did not mean to say that.' "'And coming close to him, he laid one hand on the pommel of the saddle "'and on the other on the cantle, "'so that he held his master's left thigh in his embrace, "'not daring to separate the fingers with from him. "'So much afraid was he of the strokes "'which will resounded with a regular beat. "'Don Quixote bade him tell some story to amuse him as he had proposed.' to which Sancho replied that he would, if his dread of what he heard would let him. Still, said he, I will strive to tell a story which, if I can manage to relate it, and nobody interferes with the telling, is the best of stories, and let your worship give me your attention, for here I begin. What was, was, and may the good that is to come be for all, and the evil for him who goes to look for it, your worship must know that the beginning the old folk used to put to their tales was not just as each one pleased. It was the maxim of Cato Zonzarino, the Roman, that says the evil for him that goes to look for it, and it comes as pat to the purpose now as ring to finger, to show that your worship should keep quiet and not go looking for evil in any quarter, and that we should go back by some other road, since nobody forces us to follow this in which so many terrors affright us. Go on with thy story, Sancho, said Don Quixote, and leave the choice of our road to my care. I say then, continued Sancho, that in a village of Extremadura there was a goat shepherd, that is to say, one who tended goats, which shepherd, or goatherd, as my story goes, was called Loeb Ruiz. And this Loeb Ruiz was in love with a shepherdess called Turalva, which shepherdess called Turalva was the daughter of a rich grazer. And this rich grazier, If that is the way thou tellest thy tale, Sancho, said Don Quixote, repeating twice all thou hast to say, thou wilt not have done these two days. Go straight on with it, and tell it like a reasonable man, or else say nothing. Tales are always told in my country in the very way I am telling this, answered Sancho, and I cannot tell it in any other, nor is it right of your worship to ask me make new customs. Tell it as thou wilt, replied Don Quixote, And as fate will have it, that I cannot help listening to thee go on. And so, Lord of my soul, continued Sancho. As I have said, this shepherd was in love with Toralva the shepherdess, who was a wild buxom lass with something of the look of a man about her. For she had little moustaches. I fancy I see her now. Then you knew her, said Don Quixote. I did not know her. Central. But he who told me the story said it was so true and certain that when I told it to another, I might safely declare and swear I had seen it all myself. And so in course of time, the devil, who never sleeps and puts everything in confusion, contrived that the love the shepherd bore, the shepherdess turned into hatred and ill will, and the reason, according to evil tongues, was some little jealousy she caused him that crossed the line and trespassed on forbidden ground. And so much did the shepherd hate her from the time forward that, in order to escape from her, he determined to quit the country and go where he should never set eyes on her again. Taralva, when she found herself spurned by Lope, was immediately smitten with love for him, though she had never loved him before. That is the natural way of women, said Don Quixote, to scorn the one that loves them and love the one that hates them. Go on, Sancho. It came to pass, said Sancho that the shepherd carried out his intention, and driving his goats before him, took his way across the plains of Estramadura to pass over into the kingdom of Portugal. Teralva, who knew of it, went after him, and on foot and barefoot followed him at a distance, with a pilgrim's staff at her hand and a scrip round her neck, in which she carried, it is said, a bit of looking-glass and a piece of comb and some little pot or other of paint from her face, but let her carry what she did, I am not going to trouble myself to prove it. All I say is, that the shepherd, they say, came with his flock to cross over the river Guadiana, which was at that time swollen and almost overflowing its banks, and at the spot he came to there was neither ferry nor boat nor anyone to carry him or his flock to the other side, at which he was much vexed, for he perceived that Teralva was approaching and would give him great annoyance with her tears and entreaties. However, he went looking about so closely that he discovered a fisherman who had alongside of him a boat so small that it could only hold one person and one goat. But for all that, he spoke to him and agreed with him to carry himself and his 300 goats across. The fisherman got into the boat and carried one goat over. He came back and carried another over. He came back again and again, brought over another. Let your worship keep count of the goats the fisherman is taking across. For if one escapes the memory, there will be an end of the story, and it will be impossible to tell another word of it. To proceed, I must tell you the landing place on the other side was smeary and slippery, and the fishermen lost a great deal of time in going and coming, till he returned for another go, and another, and another. Take it for granted he brought them all across, said Don Quixote, and don't keep going and coming in this way, and that will not make an end of bringing them over this twelve month. How many have gone across so far, said Sancho. How the devil do I know, replied Don Quixote. There it is, said Sancho. What I told you, that you must keep a good count. Well then, by God, there is an end of the story, for there is no going any farther. How can that be, said Don Quixote? Is it so essential to the story to know to a nicety the goats that have crossed over, that if there be a mistake of one in reckoning, thou canst not go on with it? No, senor, not a bit, replied Sancho. For when I asked your worship to tell me how many goats had crossed, and you answered you did not know, at that very instant all I had to say passed away out of my memory, and, faith, there was much virtue in it, and entertainment. So then, said Don Quixote, the story has come to an end? As much as my mother has, said Sancho, In truth, said Don Quixote, thou hast told me of the rarest stories, tales, or histories that anyone in the world could have imagined in such a way of telling it and ending it, was never seen nor will be in a lifetime, though I expected nothing else from thy excellent understanding. But I do not wonder, for perhaps those ceaseless strokes may have confused thy wits. All that may be, replied Sancho, but I know that as to my story, all that can be said is that it ends there where the mistake in the count of the passage of the goats begins. Let it end where it will, well and good, said Don Quixote, and let us see if Ritenante can go. And he again spurred him, and again Frasinante made jumps and remained where he was. So well tied was he. Just then, whether it was the cold of the morning that was now approaching, or that he had eaten something laxative at supper, or that it was only natural, Sancho felt a desire to do what no one could do for him. But so great was the fear that had penetrated his heart. He dared not separate himself from his master by as much as the black of his nail. To escape doing what he wanted was, however, also impossible. So what he did for peace's sake was to remove his right hand, which held the back of the saddle, and with it to untie gently and silently the running string which alone held up his breeches, so that on loosening it, they at once fell down round his feet like fetters. He then raised his shirt as well as he could and bared his hind quarters, no slip ones. But this accomplished, which he fancied was all he had to do, get out of this terrible strait and embarrassment, another still greater difficulty presented itself, for it seemed to him impossible to relieve himself without making some noise, and he ground his teeth and squeezed his shoulders together, holding his breath as much as he could, but in spite of his precautions, he was unlucky enough, after all, to make a little noise, very different from that which was causing him so much fear. Don Quixote, hearing it, said, "'What noise is that, Sancho?' "'I don't know, senor,' said he. "'It must be something new.' For adventures and misadventures never begin with a trifle. Once more he tried his luck, and succeeded so well, that without any further noise or disturbance he found himself relieved of the burden that had given him so much discomfort. But as Don Quixote's sense of smell was as acute as his hearing, and as sensual was so closely linked with him that the fumes rose almost in a straight line, it could not be, but that some should reach his nose. And as soon as they did, he came to its relief by compressing it between his fingers, saying in a rather snuffing tone, "'Sancho, it strikes me thou art in great fear.' "'I am,' answered Sancho. "'But how does your worship perceive it now more than ever?' "'Because just now thou smellest stronger than ever, "'and not of ambergris,' answered Don Quixote. "'Very likely,' said Sancho. "'But that's not my fault, but your worship's, "'for leading me about an unseasonable hours "'at such unwonted paces.' "'Then go back three or four, my friend,' said Don Quixote. All the time with his fingers to his nose, and for the future, pay more attention to thy person, to what thou owest to mine. For it is my great familiarity with thee that has bred this contempt. I'll bet," replied Sancho, "that your worship thinks I have done something I ought not with my person. It makes it worse to stir it." Friend Sancho returned Don Quixote. With this and other talk of the same sort, master and men passed the night. "'till Sancho, perceiving that daybreak was coming on apace, "'very cautiously untied Rocinante and tied up his breeches. "'As soon as Rocinante found himself free, "'though by nature he was not at all meddlesome, "'he seemed to feel lively and began pawing. "'For as to capering, begging his pardon, "'he knew not what it meant. "'Don Quixote, then, observing that Rocinante could move, "'took it as a good sign and signal "'that he should attempt the dread adventure.' By this time, they had fully broken and everything showed distinctly, and Don Quixote saw that he was among some tall trees, chestnuts, which cast a very deep shade. He perceived likewise that the sound of the strokes did not cease, but could not discover what caused it. And so, without any further delay, he let Rostinante feel the spur, and once more taking leave of Sancho, He told him to wait for him there three days at most, as he had said before, and if he should not have returned by that time, he might feel sure it had been God's will that he should end his days in that perilous adventure. He again repeated the message and commission with which he was to go on his behalf to his lady Dothenia, and said he was not to be uneasy as to the payment of his services, for before leaving home he had made his will, in which he would find himself fully recompensed in the matter of wages in due proportion to the time he had served. But if God delivered him safe, sound, and unhurt out of that danger, he might look upon the promised island as much more than certain. Sancho began to weep afresh on again hearing the affecting words of his good master and resolved to stay with him until the final issue and end of the business. From these tears and this honourable resolve of Sancho Panzers, the author of this history infers that he must have been of good birth and at least an old Christian and the feeling he displayed touched his but not so much as to make him show any weakness. On the contrary, Hiding what he felt as well as he could, he began to move towards that quarter whence the sound of the water and of the strokes seemed to come. Sancho followed him on foot, leading by the halter, as his custom was, his ass, his constant comrade in prosperity or adversity. In advancing some distance through the shady chestnut trees, they came upon a little meadow at the foot of some high rocks, down which a mighty rush of water flung itself. At the foot of the rocks were some rudely constructed houses looking more like ruins than houses, from among which came, they perceived, the din and clatter of blows, which still continued without intermission. Rotinante took fright at the noise of the water and of the blows, but quieting him, Don Quixote advanced step by step towards the houses, commending himself with all his heart to his lady, imploring her support in that dread past and enterprise and on the way commending himself to God, too, not to forget him. Sancho, who never quitted his side, stretched his neck as far as he could and peered between the legs of Rothinante to see if he could now discover what it was that caused him such fear and apprehension. They went it might be a hundred paces farther, when on turning a corner the true cause, beyond the possibility of any mistake, of that dread-sounding and to them awe-inspiring noise that had kept them all the night in such fear and perplexity, appeared plain and obvious, and it was six fulling hammers which by their alternate strokes made all the din. When Don Quixote perceived what it was, he was struck dumb and rigid from head to foot. Sancho glanced at him and saw him with his head bent down upon his breast in manifest mortification. And Don Quixote glanced at Sancho and saw him with his cheeks puffed out and his mouth full of laughter, and evidently ready to explode with it. And in spite of his vexation, he could not help laughing at the sight of him. And when Sancho saw his master begin, he let go so heartily that he had to hold his sides with both hands to keep himself from bursting with laughter. Four times he stopped, and as many times did his laughter break out afresh with the same violence as at first. Whereat Don Quixote grew furious above all when he heard him say mockingly, Thou must know, friend Sancho, that of heaven's will I was born in this our iron age to revive in it the golden or age of gold. I am he for whom are reserved perils, mighty achievements, valiant deeds. And here he went on repeating the words that Don Quixote uttered the first time they heard the awful strokes. Don Quixote then, seeing that Sancho was turning him into ridicule, was so mortified and vexed that he lifted up his pike and smote him two such blows that if, instead of catching them on his shoulders, he had caught them on his head, there would have been no wages to pay, unless indeed to his heirs. Sancho, seeing that he was getting an awkward return in earnest for this jest, and fearing his master might carry it still further, said to him very humbly, Calm yourself, sir, for by God I am only joking. Well then, if you are joking, I am not, replied Don Quixote. Look here, my lively gentleman. If these, instead of being fooling hammers, had been some perilous adventure, have I not, think you, shown the courage required for the attempt and achievement? Am I, perchance, being, as I am, a gentleman, bound to know and distinguish sounds and tell whether they come from fulling mills or not, and that, when perhaps, as is the case, I have never in my life seen any as you have? low boar as you are, that have been born and bred among them. But turn me these six hammers into six giants and bring them to bear at me, one by one or all together. And if I do not knock them head over heels, then make what mockery you like of me. No more of that, signor, returned Sancho. I own I went a little too far with that joke. But tell me, your worship, now that peace is made between us, was it not a thing to love it? And is it not a good story, the great fear we were in? at least that I was in, for as to your worship, I see now that you neither know nor understand what either fear or dismay is. I do not deny, said Don Quixote, that what happened to us may be worth laughing at, but it is not worth making a story about, for it is not everyone that is shrewd enough to hit the right point of the thing. At any rate, said Sancho, your worship knew how to hit the right point with your pike, aiming at my head and hitting me on the shoulders thanks to be God and my own smartness in dodging it. But let that pass. All will come out in a scouring. For I have heard say, He loves thee well that makes thee weep. And moreover, that it is the way with great lords after any hard words they give a servant to give him a pair of breeches, though I do not know what he give after blows, unless it be that knights errand after blows give islands or kingdoms on the mainland. It may be on the dice, said Don Quixote that all thou sayest will come true. Overlook the past, for thou art shrewd enough to know that our first movements are not in our own control. And one thing for the future bear in mind, that thou curb and restrain thy loquacity in my company. For in all the books of chivalry that I have read, and they are innumerable, I never met a squire who talked so much to his Lord as thou dost to thine. And in fact, I feel it be a great fault of thine and of mine. Of thine, that thou hast so little respect for me, of mine, that I do not make myself more respected. There was Scandalin, the squire of Amadus of Gaul, that was Count of the Insula Ferme, and we read of him that he always addressed his lord with his cap in his hand, his head bowed down, and his body bent double, more to Casco. And then what shall we say of Gazebel, the squire of Galore? who was so silent that in order to indicate to us the greatness of his marvellous taciturnity, his name is only once mentioned in the whole of that history, as long as it is truthful. From all I have said thou wilt gather, Sancho, that there must be a difference between master and man, between lord and mackie, between knight and squire, so that from this day forward in our intercourse we must observe more respect and take less liberties, For in whatever way I may be provoked with you, it will be bad for the pitcher. The favours and benefits that I have promised you will come in due time. And if they do not, your wages at least will not be lost, as I have already told you. All that your worship says is very well, said Sancho. But I should like to know, how much did the squire of a knight-errant get in those days? And did they agree by the month or by the day, like bricklayers? I do not believe, replied Don Quixote, that such squires were ever on wages but were dependent on favour. And if I have now mentioned thine in the sealed will I have left at home, it was with a view to what may happen. For as yet I know not how chivalry will turn out in these wretched times of ours, and I do not wish our soul to suffer for trifles in the other world. For I would have thee know, Sancho, that in this there is no condition more hazardous than that of adventurous. That is true, said Sancho, since the mere noise of the hammers of a fulling mill can disturb and disquiet the heart of such a valiant errant adventurer as your worship, but you may be sure I will not open my lips henceforth to make light of anything of your worships, but only to honour you as my master and natural lord. By so doing, replied Don Quixote, shalt thou live long on the face of the earth, for next to parents, masters are to be respected as though they were parents.
0: Costa. Oh Waxy Okay, DIN DIN, din a loud, unpleasant and prolonged noise of din of water Instill, instill Gradually but firmly established in the person's mind 观书啦, Instead, uh, put into something in the form of liquid drops. Some tower, tower, unwanted, 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 unwanted. 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 Just or unusual. But Bye bye. If you like this video, make sure to comment like, share and subscribe to our channel. Until next time.